Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. Yo, yo, yo. It's good to be back together. <laughs> I know, it's really exciting. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Well, we obviously get to see each other in tons of different contexts, but to see us in the podcast equipment, it feels good to be back. It's been forever. Um, I hope you guys have missed us because we've missed talking to you, and so we're excited to come together and just um, and, and just and what we're talking about, right? Speaking of which, what are we talking about, Shauna? <laughs> Who do we have with us? Yeah, so we are actually joined by a special guest today. And so as you guys know, with Speak the Truth, we really don't do many book reviews. And so I think there's some podcasts that are out there that are really strong at that. And so our hope is always thinking through the pastor and the biblical counselor out there. How can we help just continue to uh, to speak to you in a way of equipping, helping you in your biblical counseling, helping you better care for others? But when PNR Publishing reached out to us and mentioned this book, and just really knowing her through the grapevine, I thought this would be actually a really good fit for our podcast, because I think this could be a really good tool and resource to supplement your counseling, really not only training from you and for you to think through things differently, maybe in your own heart or just in equipping you, but also might be a resource that you would want to use and providing to your counselee for a reading assignment and things like that. So I am happy to welcome Esther Smith on Speak the Truth. And if you don't know Esther, she is actually a licensed counselor who specializes in helping people who experience trauma, anxiety, and physical illness. So she has a master's in counseling, and she also has some training at the Christian Counseling Educational Foundation, which is CCF for short. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that. And she's authored a couple books. This isn't her first one, but she has authored Chronic Illness, which is one of the 31-day devotionals for life. And so if you haven't Um, gotten your hands on any of those books. Those are really great resources for you to use. And she also co-authored the book, The Whole Life with Eliza Huey. Which we did do a book review on that. We did do that. And so that is a previous recording if you want to um, to listen to that. I'll link that in the show notes. Yeah, and a great resource for you as counseling. But today we're going to be talking about her new release, A Still and Quiet Mind, 12 Strategies for Changing Unwanted Thoughts. So Esther, welcome and thank you for joining us on Speak the Truth. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So I thought what we could do is just begin and you can maybe give us a little introduction to the book and really just your heart in writing the book and, and how God worked through that. Sure. So... I think when I think back on my process of getting to the point of writing this book, there were just so many different things that kind of came together at the same time to give me the idea, to give me the content. One of them was that someone invited me to speak at a conference on taking every thought captive. And so I just started thinking about, okay, what does it actually mean to take every thought captive and how do we actually do that? What specific strategies can we use? What specific approaches can we use to actually take that scripture and first understand it well um, and then actually apply it? And so kind of at the same time, I was um, kind of exploring some different Christian-based meditation practices for myself. I was using some different strategies in my counseling sessions with people to help them with 
challenging thoughts that they were dealing with. I was dealing with my own challenging thoughts, as I feel like we all do, um, and just looking for ways to, to help myself. Um, and it just kind of all came together at the same time where what I really wanted to do was to make this concept of changing our thoughts really practical. Like, what do we actually do? Because I feel like um, in biblical counseling, there is a lot of strength in like the theory behind things and the concepts of being um, very biblical and kind of having these really great concepts in place. Um, but sometimes I feel like it's difficult for us to take that and actually have these really practical strategies that we're sharing with people. Um, and so that was really one of the really important things that was on my mind as I started this book was, okay, what do we actually do in our conversations with people? What do I actually do when I'm lying awake in the middle of the night and these thoughts, these racing thoughts or these upsetting thoughts are going through my head? Um, what do I do? And so that's, that's really where this book came out of is wanting it to be actual strategies, those 12 strategies for changing unwanted thoughts um, to hopefully really be helpful for people. Yeah, that's good. And I think that even as we continue to talk through your book, what would be helpful for our listeners is really acknowledging the fact that when we as biblical counselors really get our initial training as we, and as we're growing and, and helping others, when we think of un unwanted thoughts, our, I think our initial um, thought is, you know, worried and anxious thoughts. And that's, that's kind of our go-to. Maybe we're even really familiar and utilize Philippians 4 a lot. But one of the things I noticed right off the bat in your introduction is you're not just focused just on that area. You're you're talking about racing thoughts and daydreams and sinful thoughts, irrational thoughts that don't match reality, uh, intrusive thoughts, things from traumatic experiences and unwanted thoughts. And so you have this, you, you really just expanded out in a way for us to really think through, hey, this goes way beyond just the thoughts of, of anxious and anxiety, but also thoughts that people could be, you know, thinking through and, and that have intruded in, um, into their life in, in all these different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, at the beginning, I kind of go through these different like types, common types of unwanted thoughts that people experience. And I think like another key point of the book that really came out of what I was seeing in counseling sessions is that we can't treat every single type of difficult or unwanted thought the same. Mm -hmm. If we give the same strategies, the same approach for anxiety, let's say general worry, um, as we do for someone who has maybe experienced a really extreme trauma in the mm -hmm, past, mm -hmm. that, that may, that's probably not going to be super effective or super helpful for that person because those difficult thoughts that they're experiencing are coming from very different places. And so if the cause is different, then it just seems rational. It just seems like it makes sense that our approach is going to need to be different. And so it's really important, I think, to almost like, I don't want to say diagnose, um, but to just assess carefully, okay, what's actually going on here um, so that I can, you know, give the right approach. And I go through a lot of different ones in the book. Mm -hmm. That's very wise. Assess properly, right? Like assess it in a way that you can speak directly to it. Any thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate in the introduction and Shauna, like you mentioned in, in the verse that you kind of put down uh, by your own experience, struggling with this yourself is Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And just the reality of 
the heart taking courage is like, that's a whole person experience. You know, it's impacting your body. It's obviously impacting your thoughts. And then you had a process. I think one of the biggest things, especially in biblical counseling is when we're talking with our counselees is as far as the spiritual disciplines are concerned, meditating on the word, you know, if their thoughts are, you know, really intense and sharp and painful and bring up a lot of different things, it it almost seems in that moment that God's word can't be strong enough in that moment. Like, in other words, they're so overcome with those thoughts that God's word seems to not really have any effect, but they don't take the time to meditate on it. It's just kind of like they remember a verse, but it's the fact that you kind of made this like a, like a process, you know, Mm -hmm. you brought breathing into it, you know, inhale and exhale journal, you know, just, well, just practical. Yeah. Just, just everything that you put here in this introduction, I think really kind of sets the pace for, you know, these 12 strategies. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I love that you, said that, that, you know, that, that that's people's experience, that there are times when we're, we're having these really painful thoughts and that in that moment, God's word doesn't feel like it's helping. It doesn't feel like it's enough because that really is a lot of people's experience. Um, and I do think that like holistic approach, you mentioned like the breathing um, and kind of bringing in some of those different aspects of let's, let's address not just our souls, let's also address our bodies, let's address the way we're thinking, let's address our emotions. When we bring all of those things together a lot of times, at least that's what I see in my counseling, um, you know, that's what helps people actually begin to experience that some of those scriptures that's helpful again, right? Um, maybe it's not helpful because of some trauma they experienced in the past and so the scripture doesn't feel true anymore. Or maybe it doesn't feel helpful because their heart is racing so hard that they can't even focus on it. Um, so let's address those parts as well um, as we're bringing scripture in to help people um, access that, to help people experience that that in a way where they're actually feeling it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It just... I mean, in your introduction, you know, it's like you kind of stated early on when, you know, this was happening is that there were, you know, several verses that, you know, you could have thought about, but, you know, it it took a little while, uh, which is kind of apropos and ironic in the verse that actually uh, helped waiting on the Lord, which is the assistance of his word and confronting your mind and your heart that wait for him. It, you know, you're, you're breathing in, you're inhaling, you're exhaling, and it's kind of like, uh, kind of synchronizing, if you will, both body and soul. So, yeah, absolutely. So that really brings us to, you know, walking through how you've taken, you're saying, okay, Hey, here's 12 strategies for changing unwanted thoughts, but let's look at it from three different approaches. So I maybe vantage points or whatever that might look like, but general approach, holistic approach and specialized approach. And so you've broken down the, the, the strategies among those categories. So maybe let's just walk through those and just give um, our listeners just a sneak peek into some of these um, some of these strategies in a way that could hopefully set the tone for when they get the book and they actually read it, or they might already have the book. And so go grab your book really quick and, and walk through this with us. But in part one, you really focus on what you call a general approach, which is knowing your thoughts, praying your thoughts, rest your thoughts, disentangle your thoughts. Can you tell us a little bit more about one of those or some of those? Yes. So those first four chapters that I called the general approaches for changing thoughts, those are approaches that I think are going to help anybody. So it doesn't matter what type of thoughts you're dealing with. It doesn't matter exactly what, you know, type or category it would fall into, I think they're going to be, they're, they're very general approaches that are going to be helpful 
for anybody. So strategies such as just actually take stepping back and knowing what you're thinking, which sounds really simple, but I find that a lot of people, myself included, go through the day they're so busy or mm-hmm. they're maybe suppressing that we don't even actually know what we're thinking. Um, so I give strategies for that, strategies for just praying our thoughts very openly and vulnerably to God, um, strategies related to resting our thoughts. That really has a lot to do with um, just being, a big part of it, I think, is just being in God's creation, setting aside our phones and our electronics and just getting out and um, being in creation and then disentangling our thoughts, which is uh, kind of understanding where our thoughts come from. Um, So out of like all of these approaches, one of the chapters that a lot of people have told me is really helpful to them is this process of knowing our thoughts. And one of the things that I do is offer people four questions to, to help them assess their thoughts. Um, So I think kind of the way I break down the chapter is that there's kind of two steps to this. We have to know what we are thinking and then kind of examine what we are thinking. And four questions that I use myself, that I offer to people I counsel that I think um, can be really helpful in examining our thoughts is, is this thought true? Is this thought helpful? Is this thought appropriate to my situation? And is this thought complete? Um, So as we're going through the day and our thoughts are racing or we're feeling depressed or anxious about something, to pick just one thought that we have and to ask ourselves, those questions. And I just did this the other day. I can't even remember what I was thinking about, but I went through the questions and I was like, this is actually, this is so helpful. (laughs) I wrote this, but when I actually use it, when I actually use it, it is so helpful to slow down and just really understand what we are thinking better. That's really good. Well, that's always <laughs> awesome as the teacher, right? You're, we're also a learner and a flyer. Uh, and so that's that's good to hear that not only is it a tool that you're writing to help other people and those that God's called you to care for, but uh, I always encourage and just remind, remind, remind every time I'm teaching. Like this is, you know, when I'm teaching this lesson, this is first for you as the counselor. And we've got to get really good at applying this to our own heart and life and then just allowing that right to just to overflow into those that we're caring for. So, um, so that's encouraging. And I love those questions because again, it is so good when we can be very practical and you're right, people get really busy. So how are we helping them slow down to where, okay, I'm finally sitting still and resting, but like now what, I don't even know what to do right now. And so to be able to give these questions to them and, and give them that practicality of like apply this this week and then let's talk about it afterwards to see how it went. What did the Lord reveal to you in that moment as you slowed down and you rested in him and you started praying these things to him? So Michael? No, it's good. I'm just excited to continue to get into Well, the... us girls over here don't want to dominate the conversation. So just making sure that you, you have a voice here. Anything you oh. want? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Mike. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. And then you move forward, Esther, with uh what what you call a holistic approach. So where we're how are we focusing our thoughts, capturing our thoughts, calming your thoughts, and repairing your thoughts? Yes. So this when I talk about a holistic approach, it goes back to that idea of let's approach changing our thoughts in a way that addresses not just our minds, but also our hearts, our bodies, our past, um, every part of ourselves. So I think that one of 
the, I guess one of the struggles that I see when people come to me with challenging thoughts, with unwanted thoughts is that they're getting stuck because they're really just focusing on strategies that are meditation based or thought based. So things like self-talk or replacing their thoughts with truth or just other things along those lines that are very cognitive. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with those strategies. They're, they're very helpful strategies. They're very biblical strategies. The problem is that it's often not enough. It's often not comprehensive enough to just focus on cognitive-based strategies. So the idea of this section is to go beyond that. So focus your thoughts is about cognitive strategies of meditation practices. But then as the chapters go on, it's about, okay, let's address how our hearts fit into this. Let's address how our bodies fit into this. Um, and let's address how the experiences we have had in the past impact us as well. And just kind of being a little more comprehensive in how we help people in this area. That's really good. And and as and as I've I've seen in the chapters, like even to the point where you're talking about focusing on your thoughts, you're not saying, hey, focus on your thoughts in a way that these become authoritative. You're saying no, like set your mind on things above and you're saying give careful thought to your ways and meditate on God's love for you. And so it's 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 constantly helping them focus on the Lord, right? And taking that back to him. And, and you, Hey, and you know what? You haven't even tiptoed to around sin. <laughs> you have, you know, a thoughts that turn to sin and all caps in an area. And so, Hey, we're not going to tiptoe around that. We're going to call sin sin. And we're going to, we're going to call some of these thoughts to actually be sinful. Or are you actually experiencing false guilt and stuff? And so I, I love your heart on that. And so why why did you feel that was important to make sure that was included in here? Yeah, so I, I definitely did not want to tiptoe around that because that's clearly an area that people struggle with. It's a clearly a category that is so important for us to address. So of course, like we can go too far to one side of making everything about sin, everything that people come to us, um, you know, the people we counsel, we can make everything about sin or we could do that in our own lives, but um, we can go the opposite direction as well and leave that out of the picture. So if we are having a, the balanced approach that I'm kind of striving for, we're going to address suffering. We're going to address bad things that have happened to us. We're going to address um, the way that our bodies are fallen, but we're, but of course we're also going to address sin. So I definitely wanted to make sure that that was a part of the book while also just being very mindful of how sometimes that has been shoved down people's throats and sometimes that has been made the only problem. So we don't want to do that, but I also don't want to leave it out. That wouldn't make sense either Mm -hmm. or be biblical, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's very true. So, and and I appreciate you doing that because, you know, most people think that these books just come about and, you know, it's like in the movies where you're just sitting down with glasses, looking at the mountains and (laughs) it's just flowing out. Right. And so as I know, like writing does not come easy and a lot of times when you're writing things like this, um, it, it can, you know, God's obviously doing a work in your own heart. And so it can be very painful or emotional, whether that's in your own life or you are kind of rethinking and, and being just, you know, heartbroken about maybe someone you're counseling, you know, and their specific case and how they had to work through this can be very emotional. And so again, just, you know, taking a minute just to say thank you, Esther, for for doing this, for doing this work and um, not only the Lord calling you to the assignment and the teaching, but then you took it further 
uh, and just continue to be faithful in, in writing this book. And so I'm thankful for PNR and trusting you in that. Uh, so with that being said, there's the third approach, the specialized approach for changing thoughts. And um, you break those down into setting aside your thoughts, dismissing your thoughts, medicate your thoughts, and sit with your thoughts. Tell us a little bit about that approach. So each one of the chapters in this last section is very different. And the reason for that is because I wanted to address specialized areas. And so the areas that I address are thoughts connected to trauma, intrusive thoughts that would often be connected with OCD, and then the concept of medication and when it might be a good idea to consider medication. So each of the chapters is very different. And again, trying to get at this idea of we can't treat all unwanted thoughts the same. So, and that's one of the things that I think I often see when people are getting stuck in the change process related to this idea of their thinking. A lot of times there is a past trauma that has not been addressed. And then a lot of other times there is some sort of intrusive or OCD sort of situation that has never been diagnosed. I see both of those things um, a lot. Or there is something that would maybe apply to that kind of final chapter of sitting with your thoughts. There's, there's something complicated going on that is leading the thoughts to just linger or be very difficult to treat. It could be um, connected to some sort of physical or genetic issue that's going on. It could be related to some sort of ongoing stressor, but something is going on that is making it very complicated to change the thoughts. And I just wanted to acknowledge that in the last chapter that those situations exist um, and that there are times when this can be just a very, very difficult and very long process for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So how would you, Esther, how would you encourage counselors to, to use this book uh, maybe as, you know, in session or out of session with their counselees? My encouragement would be to go through the book and practice and learn the strategies for yourself and to actually incorporate them into your life. I think that it's a huge temptation, like for me, to read books and to kind of skip past the strategies, to skip past the suggestions, and just kind of either skip them or read them but not practice them. So if you really want to use this with your clients, with your counselees, I wouldn't just hand it to them. I would learn how to do the strategies, use them in your own life, and then practice them with the client in the session. So I think that's another thing that I often see that can be unhelpful is that we will give people homework that they're never going to do on their own. So we'll say, go home and practice deep breathing or go home and ask yourself these four questions. And for a lot of reasons, that can be very difficult for people to do for so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. So I am a huge supporter or whatever you want to call it of let's do this in session. Let's Mm -hmm. practice deep breathing together. Let's practice meditation together. A lot of counselors have this fear of, oh, we're going to be wasting time in the session or will they be upset that we're not talking through other things? And I strongly, strongly believe that it is not a waste of time. Um, I, I have found over the years that when I do this with people in session, it is so incredibly helpful for them. And then they actually use it. Mm-hmm. So like if you tell them go home and do it, they're not going to use it. But if you do it in session together and they experience, oh, this is really helpful. 
they're actually going to use it. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good because, and to your point, over the years uh, in counseling, I realized a lot of people that we see, a lot of it's just discipleship. And we assume just because they've been going to church for a really long time that they know how to pray, that they're journaling, that they're practicing spiritual disciplines, and many of them don't really know yeah. what to do. And so I think that's a very, very good point. So yeah, that that was that was good. It kind of reminds me of Ezra seven ten that you know study, do and then teach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do it with them. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, study it, understand Great. it, apply it to yourself so that you can rightly teach and and, and help others in doing it as well. Great feedback. Well, Esther, in closing, is there any final thoughts that you want our listeners to know? Anything we missed or whether it's about the book or about what the Lord's doing in your life? One of the things that I really like to highlight is just going back to that that last chapter of Sit With Your Thoughts that we mentioned and to really want to leave people with this idea that we cannot assume that if we just try hard enough and practice all the right strategies and do all the right things that people are going to get better or overcome whatever unwanted thoughts that they're dealing with. And I think that that's very important for us to wrestle with and to think through and to think about those times when these unwanted thoughts are going to be people's thorn in the flesh. Then when these unwanted thoughts are going to be something that people are going to have to deal with, maybe for the rest of their lives, I think that makes us uncomfortable. And I think that it's something that I just like to throw out there of what do we do with this? How do we wrestle with this? And that being a very important part of our counseling with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for, thank you for just giving, giving all of us that, that reminder or, or really just alerting us to that as well. And, um, I noticed on your email bio, one of the things I missed out on is that you're actually the owner of the Christian trauma counseling. Uh, do you do online counseling too, or is it only in person? Cause I know you're located in Maryland. Yeah. So I do actually, it's all virtual. And oh, good. so that, that counseling, um, practice that I have is pretty new. I've had a private practice for a while, but just recently changed the name to Christian Trauma Counseling, and we do offer virtual counseling services um, to people who um, live anywhere. So, okay. yeah. Good. So that's good to know for our listeners. We and will then, put that in the show notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put all these details in the show notes. And then one other thing is uh, we also have a lot of uh, – so with ABC, you know, we have training centers. And so we have some of our training leaders that, t- that typically tune in, uh, that are leading multiple counselors, you know, so some who have 10 to 30 counselors underneath their supervision. And so oftentimes they like to bring guest, uh, teachers or speakers in that kind of teach on a specialized area. And so do you, um, actually do that? Do you ever zoom in or do any type of training on trauma or like anything specific from this book? Would that be some like a resource or something that could be helpful for them? So a couple things. I do teach a Christian meditation class a couple times a year where people can, both counselors and people who are struggling with these things can learn about some of the strategies in the book, but also strategies that did not make it to the book. Um, So that is actually like my favorite, absolute favorite setting to teach these things. I think that um, hopefully the book is a helpful way to learn about some of the strategies. But if I'm being very honest, the best way to learn it is if somebody is teaching you in a live setting. So I do offer classes and a lot of counselors 
will take those classes to um, just use the strategies for themselves, but also to um, just to help them have strategies to teach people in session. Um, and I haven't done a lot of consult, uh, I think you said training, but I do actually have a webinar that I'm going to be doing with the Christian Trauma Healing Network in September that will be teaching Christian meditation strategies for counselors and people who are trauma helpers. Okay, good. Yeah, so we're familiar with Beth Broom's ministry, and so we can put that in the show notes. And then if you just want to email us that link for them to register for the uh, meditation workshop, we can also include that. And if you are a leader listening and your immediate thought was like, ah, I wish I could do that, but I don't have time. Remember that there are counselors under your care. You could also ask, you know, one or two of your counselors to take the course to then teach your other counselors. So don't ever feel the weight that you have to be the one to always take it and lead out in that way. Multiply your people. Yeah, encourage your people to to step up in particular lanes to to grow deeper in that if, if that's the people that they are counseling and then allow them the opportunity to, to just pour that over into the other counselors within your team. So, Michael, any final thoughts? No, I think that's awesome. And uh, we will we will definitely have a few copies of this book in our little store, our little in-house <laughs> store here at Truth that's Renewed. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, Esther, thank you again for uh, for joining us on Speak the Truth. Thank you for, for writing this book, for sharing that with us, and for giving us all a good, a good tool to to grow um, and changing our one unwanted thoughts. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on Speak the Truth and we will talk to you next time.